Welcome to Un Uninformed. I'm Sean Seavey. Each week, Un Uninformed helps you in being connected to the world around you so you don't feel dumb around your smart friends. We're talking about racism. And we're talking about it with our former guest, Cheryl Newville. Back in March, we talked about Cheryl's experience being an American with parents who were refugees. Now we're doing a follow-up interview. So Cheryl Newville, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's good to be back for sure. Oh, I'm excited. But <laughs> So let me just play a clip from uh, our last interview. Okay. And, uh, you know, we were talking about your background with uh, your with uh, you being the child of refugee parents, mm -hmm. and we just barely touched on racism. Let, let's yeah. play the clip right now. Okay. When we were talking earlier, you were, you were kind of uh, talking about how maybe some people expected less of you because always, always, really? they, they, Be because you were uh, because your mom was an immigrant, and that's the thing. <clears throat> I never wanted to tell people that because you would get made fun of. Like, really? You, oh yeah, you would be called like an African booty scratcher. <laughs> what? Yeah, that was the huge. That was the huge like name. Like, and so I would do everything. I'm like, I don't want to be called an African booty scratcher. Like, no. <laughs> Yeah, it's that, really that. bad. Okay, I <laughs> I know it's so bad, and like, and it was they shamed you for being anything but like American. They found anything to for me personally. Like, I I got bullied a lot, and so like they would find anything to make fun of me, especially like my hair and my skin. Like that was huge because I was darker than a lot of the other kids. Man, and, so. and I'd like to think that like. We're past this racism thing. Oh, no, no. It's still happening today. And yeah. I hear things from, like, my, you know, my friend's kids that still go through stuff in their elementary schools or junior highs. And yeah. I talk to young women, and they express things to me that have happened to them. So it still happens. Right. Um, and it's unfortunate, and it's normalized. And it just comes in different forms. And people either know they're intentionally doing it, or there's ignorance, and they're just saying it because they haven't been around people of other races which is something i've experienced here in utah yeah. you know i'm like you can't say that to me you're like literally 23 years old like how do you not know that's offensive <laughs> you know like that's not okay and so um that's been pretty difficult being here and just trying to at first pardon you know the other people certain people because they've never been around like black people before yeah you know and so i'm like okay like i understand that but you know, it's it's 2017. You can yeah, educate you can be, yourself. You can be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh, can't be the spokesperson for all black people or all Africans, <laughs> you know? Like, I'm, I'm one person. Yeah. So. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to I'd like to think that we, we're getting smarter. And may, maybe it's getting better. I don't know. In some communities, I think it, people are trying to educate. I hope so. Themselves. Yeah. And I've, I've seen that, which is nice. I also have seen the opposite, where people are like, there is no problem, um you know, just forget about it or be happy because you've been giving this much. And <laughs> and it's like you see when something's wrong and you want, there, you want justice for it because yeah. you know what it's like to be oppressed. And when you haven't felt that, like really felt that, and be oppressed for something that you can't change, like you literally physically can't change it, it right. hurts. It hurts in a way that is indescribable. Yeah. And so... um yeah, that's a little bit of a, a detour, but um, but but, but it's, it's who it's, you are. It's yeah. who I am, and it's an experience that I will constantly have. I don't look for it, you know. I don't want to 
invite that energy into my life, invite those people into my life. But I want to be aware that those people still exist, that there are people that aren't going to like me because, you know, my family were immigrants or the fact that I'm black or the fact that whatever it may be, you know, um, I have to accept the fact that there's there's going to be people out there that are going to discriminate against me because of that. Okay, so that was back in March. Yeah. And I don't think anybody's listened to this episode as much as me. Most, I mean, I have to edit them and do all that stuff. Yeah. And it kind of made me think, well, maybe I'm one of those people in Utah that have maybe said some things mm-hmm. that may be insensitive or uh, uninformed. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk about it. Okay. You know, you're saying we're going on a detour. Now we're going right down that road. <laughs> okay, we're down it. Let's do um, it. <laughs> how have you experienced racism? Yeah. It's so interesting because that is a question that I get a lot. You know, people ask me, well, explain to me. And there's two there's two ways that I always take that question. I always look at the person. You know, who's the person asking me this? Is this someone that really wants to know and, like, you know, inform themselves? Which is what I feel, like, from you when you ask it. You really, like, genuinely want to know. and um, Or is it somebody that wants to challenge me? to say that's not actually happening or oh what explain it to me name three ways you know that this this, isn't that you know and it's kind of in a different energy and it's a very contentious energy and that doesn't invite me to want to open up because i know it's not a safe space and it will just be like talking to a brick wall um, so you can tell the intention. Yeah. I, and that's the thing I look for first before jumping into any conversation. Um, and I think it's it's interesting why, like, I, I start to think, why do I have to do that? You know? <laughs> I should be able to just be like, ah. But it's because I feel like a lot of things have happened since the last time we've talked yeah. in, in this country. And a lot of things are being uprooted, things that we've kind of pushed underneath the rug as far as racism goes and have said oh it's not happening or you know it's not really existing it's here it's out in the open yeah and uh and you know it's it's always been there you know yeah racism isn't new cameras are but um racism racism isn't and so um i guess that's the first thing i look for as far as talking about it is just what's the intention here what's going to happen and I feel like this is a safe space to do so. Um, I feel like I feel comfortable sharing one experience. There's been many. Yeah. I won't say, oh, it's just the one and everything else has been fine and dandy. It happens in in different ways. So I will share one experience and um, I think it will kind of tie into the experiences that have come after that. Yeah. Um, so I moved here when I was 18. I graduated from you know, high school. And, um, before I moved here, there here was, Salt Lake City. Here Salt okay. Lake City. Yeah. And, um, I'd been to Utah once before for, um, the audition process. I was a dance major before I switched to nursing now. Oh yeah. So you're, oh, cause you yeah. had a scholarship at the university of Utah. I did. Right? Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. I did. And so I was like, okay, here we go. Like, yeah. I'm so excited for the Utah experience. And, you know, people were, were talking to me in my congregation and they would say, Oh, you know, you're going to love Utah. And Oh my gosh, like people get married like the first year (laughs) and you know, all the things you hear, especially like, you know, depending on the faith and religion you are like, that's a heavy, that's a heavy thing. 
And so um, I remember walking and like, you know, walking into Utah, I guess. In a Here sense. we go. Here yeah. we go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and this is going to be great. This is going to be what everybody else told me. But I didn't realize that advice was coming from people that were a different race than I was. Oh, yeah. um, Predominantly white. And so their experience in Utah was going to be ultimately different than mine. And I didn't realize that at the time. Yeah. And so um, I, I started off, you know. Very, very excited, and I loved being in the area. It was new, the mountains, everything was gorgeous, and dance was hard. Um, it was something that was new to me as far as the style of dance goes. It was modern, and um, there were a lot of opportunities to perform, and there were a lot of different teachers and faculty that would create pieces as well. And so I remember auditioning for this uh, one piece, and actually, it was multiple pieces, but I really wanted to be in this one piece. And um, after the audition process, we waited a couple of days, and I saw that I didn't, I didn't make the piece. Yeah. And I wasn't upset or like, oh, I was just kind of like, oh, I'd like to know what I can do better to, you know, prepare myself for for the next audition. And so I went to this teacher uh, to ask, you know, is there is there a reason why, you know, I didn't make it this time around? Is there something that I can work on? And uh, this teacher, you know, told me, oh, well, you know, your your skin color just doesn't work for this piece. Mm. And I remember looking at this, this teacher and just, I wasn't sure if they were serious or not, you know, because I had never actually, like, heard that before. Yeah. And... So you're like, oh, you're joking, right? Yeah, like, I was that's, like, that's your first. Very funny. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> and so, like, I, I was just kind of like, wait, what? And they repeated, like, your skin color doesn't work for this piece. Yeah, it just doesn't fit. And I didn't know what to say. And so I, I remember leaving, and that was my critique. It wasn't um, my dance style. You know, it wasn't yeah. the fact that I wasn't picking up the movement. And I wasn't the best dancer at the time. I was a freshman and I was still learning and it was new. So like, I definitely wanted to believe that, okay, it was something physically that I could work on. But it was something that I couldn't change. Yeah. Like that's not something that I could go home and work on, you know. And so um, I remember uh, catching the train home after that. I didn't say anything to anyone. And classes classes were done for the day. And I cried all night I cried and I didn't call my mom and tell her I didn't you know want to tell anyone but I felt like prompted to write a blog post about it and you know I had a blog at the time and um I remember some of my my classmates reading the blog and the next day saying like oh you know like you know what just just ignore that that you know faculty and it's not a big deal and kind of dismissing what had happened yeah and so there were three things that I realized. One, like, I should have never listened to them because that was a problem. Like, for somebody to, like, think that's that's actually logical to say, oh, you, you just really don't look right. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily like you can't move well. It's like you don't look like the others, and so it's not going to work. Yeah. Like, that's how they view art. Art is something lighter, wider. And that wasn't me. And so there was a problem with that. Um, the second thing I realized during that time was that 
um, I cried not because of what he had said, but because I couldn't actually change. Yeah. I was upset about that. I wasn't upset that he, like, told me I wasn't in because I was black or any of those things. It was because that's something that has always happened, you know? Like, you you can't hang with us because of your skin color or you're pretty for a black girl. You just you just barely make it. Despite your race, you're still pretty. Do you get that too? Oh, totally. Really? Totally. And it's things like that that... I I start I remember taking that as a compliment, you know, when I first got here because yeah. I thought oh, I, I passed, you know, like <laughs> I made it, you know, and or I'm straightening my hair and my hair is not meant to be straight. <laughs> you know, it's supposed to be curly and I'm breaking off my hair trying to conform to the way I saw all my other friends that were yeah. getting dates or whatever it was, like they looked a certain way. And that's why they were getting that attraction. And there aren't a lot of people that look like me here. So my beauty isn't as appreciated. Whether people recognize that or not. Whether the the white men here recognize that or not. That is what's happening. And so um, I realized, oh, wow. Like, if I I straighten my hair, he's going to look at me. Like, (laughs) he's going to want me. You know, if I I just dress like her and if I think like her, like, I'm going to pass. And I wasn't passing. Yeah, And this was something where I just, I remember going home feeling so defeated because I didn't know what to do. I was trying to think of ways like, okay, I'll just be in the studio longer. I'll eat less because I'm naturally curvy. And so if I can just like cut down a little bit and like lose the butt and all these things, <laughs> then, you know, maybe I'll start to look like them a little bit more that way. And, yeah. and I didn't realize I was doing all those things. By the end of freshman year, I was exhausted not because of the workload, but because I couldn't do it anymore. You know, I ended up actually cutting off all my hair by the end of uh, the holidays because my hair had broken off. Wow. Completely. And it wasn't because like part of it was liberating. Like I was just kind of like, you me. But at the same time, it was because like I couldn't keep up anymore. Yeah. And I was physically deteriorating from it. And so I realized, wow, that's a problem. Like I cried not because that was wrong and that was like inhumane in a sense you know what i mean but like because there was something wrong with me i immediately started to think of myself that way yeah and i started to realize the third thing was i'm developing bad habits ever since being here i've developed bad habits and um you know my friends were right like oh just to a sense like oh you know like you don't have to listen to them. They, he doesn't, or she doesn't define who you are, you know, and that is true. Yeah. But to say that's not a problem or to completely ignore the fact that that happened or that could still continue to happen to another 18 year old girl 10 years from now is a problem. Yeah. You know, and where does it actually end? Do we excuse it and just try to liberate ourselves or do we liberate ourselves and address the problem? You know, and there has to be a sense of self-care. I am healing right now from the past year, you know, of of everything that has been happening. And, um, you know, I was I was out there. I was raw, raw. And I'm solving my wounds right now. Yeah, I'm trying to heal so I can go back out strong. Is this something ongoing Mm -hmm. or uh, 
Have things changed? Um, I think things have changed in the sense where I I realize I don't point this point at myself when things happen that way. Yeah. Um, I I used to do that immediately. Think, oh, they're right. There's something wrong with me. And that's destructive. That's totally destructive, and yeah. that's bad quality. Those are the things, the bad habits I'm developing. How am I supposed to work, you know, and 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 experience different life, um, you know, just different things that the life that life has to offer when I don't know how to actually like do that. These these qualities that I'm developing aren't ones that are going to make me a better leader. They're not qualities that are going to make me a better provider or or mother or or sister or whatever it may be because I'm not I'm not seeing myself in the way that I was meant to be seen. Yeah. And it started off with people and then myself. You know, because I I continued that. It once that's that's an interesting thing about oppression is that it starts off with just people doing it, but then Sooner or later, we start to pick up on it and do the same. We think that we have to straighten our hair. It's not someone telling us anymore. No one ever told me to do that. But I knew if I was going to get a pass, you know, <laughs> then I I got to I gotta get that job. So taking out the braids, you know, I'm going to straighten my hair <laughs> or whatever it may be. Like, I know I have to change something within myself in order to be accepted. And that's not a quality that any any young black girl should be developing. Yeah. You know, it's it's a rarity. We are, you know, I, I guess in this sense here, it's it's there's not a lot of of black women. There's not a lot of of the black community here. Right. And and I recognize that, but it doesn't mean that we have to conform to something that we weren't meant to conform to. It's not our realm, you know. Yeah. And um and so that's definitely something that I've I felt change with me is just, um, and it's, and it, it didn't come overnight and it still happens. I still go back into those pits sometimes, but I have family and friends and people that love me that, um, that help me work through it. And they know that, okay, this isn't something that's coming out of thin air. This is years and years of experiences happening to you. And then also like, I'm, I'm repeating it now. You know what I mean? Within yeah. myself, because I've developed this quality of, oh, well, they're right. You know, like I don't fit that piece. It's not going to work. So in listening to the episode we did in March yeah. and in listening to what you're doing, what you're talking about right now, mm-hmm. the question on my mind is what can we mm-hmm. do about it? Here I am, a Utah, mm-hmm. um, in an environment that's, like you're saying, not... Not diverse, at least in the aspect of having very many uh, black people. Yeah. So, yeah, what what can people like me do? Yeah. Or what do you wish we knew? Mm, what do I, wish? I, I don't know, because that's the thing um, that's interesting about um, culture and differences is that they're differences. There are going to be things that you don't know you'll never actually embody. Yeah. And so... Um, I, I think understanding that is the key before entering any conversation or like, what can I do to help? Because what works for you may not work for somebody else Yeah. Um, as far as solving a problem. And so I think it takes first recognizing I won't fully understand what you're going through, but yet I, I need you to, to talk to me, you know? And it's just like with any relationship, the way it thrives is through communication it's through saying, okay, I understand that you're hurting. 
why are you hurting? Let's talk about this and let's work on a solution that will be good for the both of us so we can move forward together. And that's what causes unity. That's what causes us to be together in one. And so um, I think it starts with with empathy Uh and really studying and, and thinking about the fact that for the black community, things aren't coming up out of thin air, you know? Uh, explain that a little bit. Yeah, I think sometimes um, with different movements or things like that, it's something radical. It's something, you know, oh, let's get some publicity or whatever it may be. But I think it's something that's been happening for, and not, and not I think, because I think about, you know, this interview and it's, you got, you got 15, 20 minutes Tell me about racism. That's so, <laughs> solve our problems yeah, right now, please. It, you know, and like I, I don't know who's listening, and, um, and and that's the thing. How do I explain in fifteen minutes what's been happening to me personally for fifteen to twenty years? Yeah, I, I can't. I can't do that. And, um, and it's it's gonna take time because i'm i'm still healing from those things i don't want to thrive off of those pains because pains eventually like you have to heal them you know and so i've taken time personally for myself to just step aside and just be with those that i love and care about and that understand me before i reach out to those that may have like opposite views of how i feel because i realize it may not be received the same way as somebody that does love and empathize with me and so um, I'm trying to take my, my time and dip my toe back in, but um, <laughs> slowly but surely before I jump back in, you know, and um, I think the best thing to do is to listen. There's power yeah. in listening. There is. And it, um, it drives change. There's a lot of things that drive change, but it's hearing someone out. Well, and, and if you're, the thing I've noticed about listening is mm-hmm. uh, that means you're not trying to fix it right away. Oh, because it's it's something that has been happening for years. Something that's been happening for years doesn't happen. It doesn't change overnight. And even right. if it did, even if there was, you know, all you think about the emancipation of slavery, that was boom, one document, poof, you know, <laughs> right? But did it really go away? No. You know, or integration? Does that like once it happened? Did like everybody's just like oh and now we're walking hand in hand and singing you know <laughs> we are the world we are the children like no <laughs> like <laughs> we, you wish right? yeah exactly it takes time regardless of like how immediate the act of the immediate change is or like i'm willing to listen it's still going to take time you yeah. know people are adjusting to that and so um even if listening may not solve the problem right away it's 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 a huge step yeah in a very good direction. So I reached out on Facebook and asked some people about uh, racism and what their opinions were about it and what questions they had. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, um, this is a, a listener named uh, Andrea Wynn, and she asked this question. It's kind of interesting. She said, so I was watching Pocahontas last week, and mm-hmm. in the song Savages, it says, they're not like you and me, which means they must be evil. So her question is, is there a cause to racism? Um, and this is this is coming from me. And I have to say that I don't speak for all black people. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, I have this mic and, you know, I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I can, you know, I look at it and it's, I can say 
essentially whatever I want. You know what I mean? I mean, within yeah. respect. And so... But yeah, tell tell me mm-hmm. um, what your experiences have cast light on her question. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as that goes, I believe that racism is taught. And then after a while, it becomes almost like breathing. Yeah. And so I spent some time in the South. And I was in um, Montgomery for a long time. Yeah. And... I realized with people that did act out in 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 forms of racism um, towards towards me, um, it was something that was so natural, and no one ever questioned it. But there was a time where it was taught, and it's interesting because as children we we see things around us and we are inherently taught that. Yeah, we learn especially because we are so visual, we see things, we see examples, we're still learning, we're still absorbing. We absorb things that we see our parents do. And so I think in a way that's how we're really taught. Yeah. And um, and so it it is through example and sometimes through blatant, nope, they're bad, Billy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> or they are And you are just savages. accept it because that's what you're, because you Because you trust with. them. Because you trust them. You know, yeah. and so like you wouldn't question somebody that you trust or love. And so they must be right, you know. Yeah. And so I think about people that believe that, you know, white is right or like supremacists. Um, they, I think, to a degree, really, really believe it, you know, because they trusted people that taught them that. Yeah. And I guess that kind of addresses another question that we had from Chad Aldridge, who asked, how much of racism is inherent, tribal, and how much is taught? Yeah, I think there's uh, there's a degree where it's taught, but then tribal is like the whole tribe feels it. Like no one's questioning it. Everybody's doing it. We're doing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So it's like it's a little bit of both um, as far as that goes. Another question we had was from uh, Glenn Osnes. Um, mm-hmm. He said, why can't we all just get along? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, serious question, because yeah. I know... Um, and I, I guess my question is sometimes I, I see the retaliation where I see hate on both sides. Right. Um, and can we just hit the reset button and say things are okay? What, mm. it, can we all just get along? What do you think about that? I wish that was it was that simple. And you know what? In some ways, like there are ways that we can get along. I think yeah. listening to people sitting down, having conversations, I feel like good vibes can, for the most part, flow during yeah. that time and so um to say can't we all just get along sometimes can be a form of dismissing the actual problem like can't we just you know hold hands close our eyes and pretend nothing's happening <laughs> click because our heels something three times has happened. because something has happened and we can't you know and so I, I go back to that experience you know someone says i don't fit yeah and what you want me to do is click my th- my heels three times and 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 phone home. What I don't understand. That's not going to work. You know what yeah. I mean? I can't close my eyes and and dream that that's not going to happen again or that there isn't a problem. Like there is. Yeah. And so um, to say, can't we all just get along? Dismisses the fact that there are things that are causing another group of people to um, to hurt. Yeah. And there's many communities hurting as well. You know, not just the black community, but other communities. And so to close our eyes and say it's not happening for... Well, it's not happening for me. Yeah. So let's just get along. 
You know, I'm not being insensitive to it because I agree and I want that too. Right. But it, it's, like I said, going to take time. And, and people are solving their wounds. And some are still bleeding. Yeah. And so we need to... Um, we need to, to recognize that. So there's clearly, you know, misunderstanding on, from the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. So what can we do about that? Yeah. What can we do about racism? And maybe this is the million dollar yeah, question. Yeah, that is the million dollar question. But from your experience, what, what can we do about it? Um, I close my eyes and I think about what would I have wanted differently in that moment? And I think I would have wanted it to not happen at all. Yeah. But then I wouldn't be me if it didn't. You know, there are a lot of things that have molded and shaped the way I live my life. You know, there's certain places where my drive comes from. And um, it's experiences like that. Do I want it to happen to my daughter? No. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh, no, yeah. Um, and so I just wish it didn't happen at all. I wish I could say that I have the cure for racism, you know, because... If it's something that somebody believes in their bones that I don't fit, yeah. that I don't work, or that I'm a savage, or I'm whatever, a menace, yeah, or or angry, or pretty for a black girl, you know, or whatever yeah. it may be. If somebody really believes that, um, or that I'm an N-word, or whatever it may be, like... Right. People really, really believe that and they choose to act how they want to based off of that belief, you know, of me. Regardless if I have the chance to say, hello, hi, how are you? I'm a nice person, I promise. That may not be the opportunity I get to have. Yeah. I may not get to advocate for myself because somebody may write me off just by looking at me. And I... I in in ways I am affected by that and a lot of a lot of people can be but I realize I need to have a balance of recognizing that and speaking out when I can mm-hmm. and that's also something I'm not in your community for the most part you know and I'm not saying like you don't have diverse groups but for the most part there's a lot of you know you're surrounded more by white people right. and so you you have an opportunity you have a platform that I don't have where you can you can speak and you can um, talk and be heard because you're part of the majority. And so if you start having these conversations in in your groups and what you, you explain to me that you have and even just say, hey, like, or when somebody in your group does speak out in, in a form that, oh, that's a little... Insensitive. Insensitive. Let's talk about that. Like, why do you feel that way? Not necessarily like attacking them and, you know, all these things, but... Just being like, let's let's talk about what you meant by that. Yeah. Because when you say that, that's going to be different from when I say that. Right. And I think recognizing that is still realizing that there's a problem where you would get more of a pass for saying, that's a little insensitive than me with your group of friends and somebody says that. Me saying, that's a little insensitive. Yeah. I'm going to be looked at as different. Um, and a lot of people know I'm very, not soft-spoken, but... Um, I get very, very anxious as far as when like contention happens right. for me, and I and I get very, very um, quiet. And um, I need to take time before I say something because I need to recognize where I am, what's at stake, and how can I express this in a way where this propels us forward? You know, how could we make things mm. better? Yeah, yeah. 
so I guess that's all I can I can say for now. I don't have all the answers. I'm not going to pretend that I do or that I can answer it as, as swiftly or I'm just answering the way I I feel right now. And and yeah, I'm just trying to stay close to those that that do want to hear me out and yeah. and those that love me because I need to feel that too. You know, I need to feel that people um love me, care about me, root for me that don't see me in that light and um and just care that that I succeed and that I'm happy. And so um that's all I can say for me as far as like what you can do or what we all can do. Um I I always believe in mourning with those that mourn and comfort those that stand in need of comfort. And um whatever that means I, I I always say go off of that. And that's something that um I try to do with people that I may not completely understand but that I know are mourning. Yeah. Especially if I love them, I'll want to mourn with them. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, that takes a lot of vulnerability. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Cheryl Newville, I I really have been looking forward to this and I am my eyes have been opened, at mm-hmm. least in some regard, mm-hmm. and there's much work we can do. I really appreciate uh, talking with you. Thank you for being on Ununinformed. Thank you. Round two. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate that. So what's the solution to racism? I'm not sure if we can comprehensively solve these issues in this short podcast episode, and Cheryl kind of said that. But among many other things, one of the big solutions to racism was something that has been taking place over these last 30 minutes. I believe one of the secrets to the universe in solving issues like racism is learning how to have genuine, constructive dialogue with people coming from different backgrounds and perspectives. It requires both sides being in a position where they can comfortably state their views and listen to each other. But a lot of the time, this actually is hard to do. For me, after we had this conversation, I felt actually quite uh, heavy. It was quite burdensome for me to be made aware of the hurt that is caused by racism. People who do not believe that racism is a serious issue are uninformed. And hopefully listening to me and Cheryl's conversation has helped you become a little more un-uninformed. Thanks for listening. If you felt that this podcast has opened your eyes just a little bit, subscribe to our show in your podcast app, and we'll be happy to open your eyes a little bit more. Our music is provided by D.D. Dumbo. My name is Sean Seavey, and you've been listening to Un Uninformed. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>